so uh where's where's uh Bullhagen? I don't know, Vicar? Something about a dental appointment. Maybe uh getting his teeth drilled or cleaned or something. It's ten thirty. we said we were gonna record at ten thirty. It's ten fifty right now. Where the heck you know what? Let's just start without him. Screw it. Sounds good. Let's do it. Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Toxin Tasting Studios, I'm Berg. I'm Vicar. And Peter's here with us. Hey, Pete. And welcome to the Clerical Errors Podcast, the podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Uh, Bullhagen is running a little bit of late. That's hilarious because it's really his studio. <laughs> and he set the time. <laughs> so, yeah, and he set, yeah, the, he time set the time, too. <laughs> I thought I was going to be a li- I was a little bit late, and, uh, and it, but it all turned out all right. So we decided to start without him. So, Vicar, uh, what, are you drinking anything? Well, I wanted to try this uh, spectacular ginger beer. I thought maybe you'd be willing to try it too. Absolutely. Um, it just sounds refreshing, and I've never had it. So, all right, let's uh, let's do it. Peter, are you are you drinking anything? I'm sipping on some sneak energy as usual. Right, keeping it going. Right. Yep. Uh, today's flavor is bitberry lemonade or limeade. Oh, bitberry. Yeah, it's blueberry, but it's in a square box, so they call it bitberry. Oh, okay. Interesting, because it's like a pixel. Huh. Neat. All right, so let's do this. Wow, that is that is refreshing. I like that. Yeah, that is good. Can, can we mention a little bit? I, I heard you guys uh, talking. I was logged in, and so I heard you as you were, you were all coming in. Hey, I'm here. Uh, oh, 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 there he is. Yeah, so when the Bullhagen's away, the mice will play. So, <laughs> so we started recording without you. Oh, come on now. All right, let's go. So he's getting he's getting pumped up for this show. So Woo. it's all that fluoride. He's ready to he's ready to rock and roll. Now, I'm ready so. to go, man. <laughs> yeah, walks in, sheds all of his coach, throws him on the floor. Hey, hey, I, hey, dear listener. I mean, if you could see his teeth right now, they're super white. Well, you know, it's it's one of those things. It took a long time because they had to figure out how much money they're going to take out of my wallet. Mm-hmm. So get my front tooth fixed. And uh, I got a cup of spot where I don't have any baby teeth, never or never had any adult teeth. Oh, weird. Right. Huh. So and uh to get uh so they want to do implants. Do you know how much that costs? A lot, right? I mean a couple thousand, doesn't it? Yeah. I was going to guess like 10 grand. I don't know. Probably like 6 or 7 grand. Wow. I was going to say more like 2, but ooh. So, yeah. So which which begs the question, you know? If I if I spent I could either think about this I could either spend like seven thousand bucks so it's on those teeth would you rather spend right. seven thousand on those teeth or I was thinking that's on the way back because I'm like let me guess over. or calf implants that's exactly right <laughs> <laughs> just think oh. what, for for just think what kind of calves I could get for that kind of money yeah well <laughs> listener I mean I guess you can uh, email us and let us know what you're thinking Vicar how can they get a hold of us to to see like <laughs> to see whether he should uh get his teeth fixed or uh get calf implants. Right. Well they should send that to feedback at clericalerrors.org. Look at that beard, Peter. Keep going. Email. <laughs> or find us on Facebook at 
facebook.com slash clerical errors podcast or on Twitter at clerical errors P. P for podcast, bro. And if they want to uh, donate, they can click on the link on our website to Patreon. And if you want that to go to calf implants or my teeth, just uh, earmark that, please. Just earmark it. Oh we have gosh. dedicated <laughs> accounts here at the clerical Tooth errors. Market. Oh, Pod- my gosh. Calf market. So I wanted I was I was trying to get into it before you uh you finally decided to join us, Bullhagen. Um but before the show, Vicker mentioned he brought a he brought a drink to share with them um with us and uh it's uh, some ginger beer. So he came in and he was telling Berg, Yeah, I brought some ginger beer. So it's not alcoholic, it's not beer, it's like kinda like root beer. And Berg just giggled and he's like, Yeah, I know what ginger beer is. <laughs> <laughs> So so what what's the difference between ginger beer and ginger ale? You know, I I really don't know. This has a much stronger flavor, I would say. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's ginger pretty... ale is more like a pop. This is I don't know, what would you describe this as, Vicar? Well, it's very refreshing. It really is. And I don't know, it might mix well with Yeah, I would make something... a Moscow mule out of this. Yeah. Um that's actually one of my favorite mixed drinks. Well, that's, a, Peter likes that too. The, I agree. Moscow mu- mules. Have you ever had a Kentucky mule? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are those are. There's, good. A, there's one, a punchline to that somewhere. <laughs> I've had one live on the podcast, Berg. I've had oh, that that's live right. on the podcast before. See, I just don't I think even... I might have taught you that 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 was that what that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to go back and re-listen to see how much stuff I said. Over so, the, so have over you the talked years. about the text or anything? Not yet. We were waiting for you. So. Okay. Then we finally uh, gave up. <laughs> that that beard is looking on point. I like the little curl of the mustache. Yeah, yeah, you know, got to put some product in it, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, that is the difference. Ginger beer is a very is very bubbly with a strong ginger flavor with a spicy finish. It's brewed and fermented years ago. It was an alcoholic beer, but today's ginger beer is non-alcoholic. Ginger ale has a mild, mellow flavor and is sweeter than ginger beer. So. Okay. Yeah, I looked, and this does have chili pepper as one of the ingredients, and, I was, I was and agave. Say, that really like accents it mm-hmm. for me, anyway. So I kind of like that nice spice. Yeah. So uh, what are you preaching on, Berg? Well, um, Vicar and I were talking about that. Uh, do you want to do the? It sounds like here you're doing the baptism of Christ. I think we're doing the same thing. Yeah, at, let's uh, do that. Because I I was. Uh, had an idea for top 12 list based on that that oh. I like to do, um, but we can talk about the text first. Okay. It's well, a short... I also have a top 10 list dealing with uh, one of Hannah's questions, too. So, oh. Yeah. Look at you. You typed it out? Oh, yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Top 10? I know, I know. That's oh, all I can get come on to. now, Berg. Hey, I just don't... I'm a, I'm a maverick. I don't play by the rules. Look, here's the deal. We've got half the podcast to get through. You've got half the podcast to try and come up with two more while we do the podcast. <laughs> I'll, I'll come up with a couple. Okay. On the, I didn't even know what it is. So uh, go, go uh, Vicar. So it's Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, the baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. 
And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. All right. So, uh... So which one of you is preaching on this? I am. Okay. I am. So go. Whoop. <laughs> Whoa. What just happened? A microphone fell. Holy cow. Set it down for now. I didn't right. do it. Luckily, right. it was the spare. Right. Uh, did you mention our Patreon account? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, uh, obviously, this is a text where you can talk about baptism. Right, I, I like uh, John's comment. I need to be baptized by you. What I like about that is John understands baptism. He needs what Jesus has to offer in baptism. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Um. And uh, my my top twelve list that I was thinking about doing would be the top twelve things we learn about Luther's hymn on Jesus' baptism. Oh, nice. So. But you have a top 12 list, too. I think we should do yours, and then we'll see how far we get. We should do two, because it'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm energetic now. I've just been sitting in a chair. I know. You're ready to go. So, uh, um, to me, one thing I, I like about this baptism is it is a visual representation of what actually goes on in baptism. Okay, go on. It, it, God gives you kind of a look behind the curtain. Uh, of what baptism is. You have the Spirit descending. Mm-hmm. You have the pleasure of the Father. You are my beloved Son. God's declaration of you being a child of God. Mm-hmm. You have uh, um, Jesus in the water, mm-hmm. which Jesus' word is what what uh, is the emphasis of baptism, where Christ attaches his word and promise to the waters of baptism. He does so by entering the water for us. We have Jesus identifying with sinners, and uh, and John saying, "I need to be cleaned by you. I need to be baptized by you." And you have the all done in the name that Jesus told us to baptize into the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father descending, uh, booming from heaven. This is my beloved Son. The Spirit descending on a, as a dove, and Jesus in the water. So it is a visual lesson, a peel back of the curtain of what happens when any child is baptized. So that's one way you can think about it. Mm-hmm. Do you have your sermon ready to go? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's all done. You, you do so. yours a little earlier than I do, I've noticed. Yeah. So I'm actually taking the John 1 text um, because I, I have a feeling, you know, people are fairly familiar with, um, like, the Matthew text, mm-hmm. okay? Um, John John 1 gives us a little different, uh, it doesn't actually give us the baptism itself, but <clears throat> I think it gets into why John came baptizing, and it gives us kind of a little different view of it, uh, which is kind of neat. Uh, so John 1, uh, 29 through uh, 34. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. 
I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So it's really interesting here because John gives us a little bit more information. Uh, A lot of times we think of Matthew 3 that immediately John recognizes who Jesus is. And so he says, well, I need to be baptized by you. And we tend to think, oh, well, that is uh, John confessing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. But here in John 1, we learn that John did not actually know who Jesus was until after the baptism. The baptism is actually why and why John, you know, what what was the reason or the purpose of John's baptism? What was to reveal Jesus? Right. Right? It was to reveal him as the Son of God. And that's why it says here, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I think it's fascinating because John has an inkling of who Jesus is. He, you know, at mm-hmm. the very least, he's a holy man. Right. right. And I think this also shows John's humility uh, in that I need to be baptized by you, right? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't know quite yet that Jesus is the Messiah. And that is why Jesus had to fulfill all righteousness. That's why John was sent to baptize, because John's baptism revealed to Israel who Jesus really was. Which is why we have it in the Epiphany season. Exactly. That this is a manifestation that this man, Jesus Christ, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, is the Son of God. And the fact that, in a sense, Jesus didn't start preaching till after this anyways. Yeah. This is when he begins his ministry. In a sense, Lutherans like to say, you know, even Jesus didn't didn't, uh, preach without a call. (laughs) Well, and this is, yeah, I mean, this is kind of like, what what do you want to say? Jesus investiture, right? And Mm -hmm. that's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we're not British, right? So what is an investiture? Well, it is a— I find that extraordinary. (laughs) Well, the last one happened in the 60s with Prince Charles, right? Prince Charles was born— uh, the, uh, oh, what is it, the Duke of Wales, right? Mm-hmm. He was born a prince. But he until he was invested, uh, he could not do the duties and responsibilities of being a prince, being the Duke of Wales, okay? What is that? The, being a, the Duke yeah, of Wales? Yeah, what is the responsibility? Like... Um, well, you open stuff and close <laughs> stuff and, you know. In the old days, it had a little bit more of a, you know, a little more oomph to it. Well, and that's the thing, because Jesus had his call from before he was born, right? He was born king of the Jews. And John recognized Christ before he was born. Right, in the womb, right? Right. But Jesus, and this is the beautiful thing here, Jesus does not exercise his power or his authority or his offices in any way until he is baptized. I thought he made, like, clay pigeons when he was a child and and made them fly. your favorite infancy gospels, right? (laughs) Um, And so here we see Jesus, even though he is king, even though he is the priest, even though he is the prophet, um, he submits to his father's will, and he is humble, and he waits until he is invested with that. And then immediately he is sent out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Right. It's it's not unlike a, a new pastor getting his call. Right, and then being ordained, and then immediately... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that never happens. Released into the wild. <laughs> right. 
they say that at the seminary. Well, in the wild, you won't see it like this. <clears throat> they use that phrase. What do they know about the wild? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so that, I mean, I think that's fascinating because here Jesus takes up uh, the duties and responsibilities of his office. I mean... So if, so what, what, what kind of, this is a question I always ask Vicar, okay? Mm-hmm. What kind of maybe improper thinking or what kind of issues to the person in the pew does this bring up that can be addressed? Um, I think for them, this is both a warning and a comfort. It's a warning in that you should not be too quick to take things that are not given to you. Like, for example, the teenager in the pew or the child in the pew, they want to grow up so fast and mm-hmm. they want to do adult things, but it's not time yet. And here Jesus exemplifies perfect patience. Because he was the king, right? Mm-hmm. He was the prophet. And yet he lives a life that was indistinguishable from any other Jewish boy and man of his day mm-hmm. until the time that he took up his, uh, his duties and responsibilities, right? Which was given to him by God, right? Are there any—you you might know this. Are there any, like, Catholic icons or whatever where— uh, of like a chair Jesus supposedly made or something like that. I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> some of that stuff gets really stupid, right? That movie, The Passion, Mel Gibson's movie. I think mm-hmm. Jesus makes a chair in that. Yeah, where it's really tall and you know, because they all reclined on the floor and that sort of thing. I mean, it's silly, right? Because Jesus doesn't use his power and authority to do parlor tricks, right? So. I mean, that's the first thing, right? Is that where Adam does, you know, Adam is the first, right? He and he and Eve do something that's not meant for them to do, mm-hmm. right? They reach beyond what God has given them. And we do the same thing, right? When it's not our office, um, kids do this all the time with their brothers and sisters, right? They boss them around, even though they really don't have the authority to do so. Right, that, and that's part of really a big part of sin is desiring something that, that God hasn't given you. Given you, yeah. Right, um, kids do this. You know, well, why? You know, I can't wait till I'm an adult when I can drive the car and I can do all these fun things and da 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 da. Right, right. It's all grasping after something that God hasn't given you. And here, Jesus is God. He has all of these things, and He waits patiently. Do you know who wouldn't like this this uh, sermon of yours? Who's that? The credit card companies. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of like a vicar who really wants to baptize and give the Lord's Supper. And Sorry, it's not time. Yeah, I mean, so I think this is a great rebuke against impatience. Someday, vicar. Someday. And the perfect patience It's pretty of awesome, Lord. too, isn't it? It is. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It is so cool. <laughs> so. So, yeah. Anyways, um... So uh, so I think, you know, another thing you can bring up here is the difference between John's baptism and Jesus' baptism, mm-hmm. and that John's baptism was for the remission of sins, it was from heaven, but it its primary purpose was to reveal Christ, okay? And Christian baptism does the same, right? It does reveal Christ, but it is so much deeper than John's baptism. Mm-hmm. Right, John's baptism was temporary. Another aspect, going back to my point about how it kind of shows you what happens in a baptism—a visual explanation. 
is uh, how heaven opens mm-hmm. for, you know, how heaven opens for, for the child of God. Right. And I think, too, the other thing that we need to talk about is how the Holy Spirit alights and remains on Jesus, okay? Because the Holy Spirit does come upon other people, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Probably the, the prime example would be Pentecost. Pentecost, um, Elizabeth, right? Mm-hmm. When John jumps in the womb. Um, Simeon. Simeon. You have uh, the 70 elders in Numbers, mm-hmm. right? Where they prophesy when the Spirit comes upon them, and then the two are in the camp, and Joshua gets kind of mad and is like, got to stop these guys because it's, you know. Well, that, that Spirit is one where it gives the authority of God's Word. It's not like right. not like uh, someone nowadays who, that's how I'm saved, is this this supernatural right. spirit coming. It was, for example, uh, at Pentecost, the tongues of fire, the fire and smoke represents the presence of God. Right. From the temple or from calling Moses from the burning bush and, and those type of things, so that when these apostles then spoke, they spoke with the authority and the words of Christ. Right, and I'm pretty sure we've done a podcast episode on why charismatic gifts are not present anymore because the Holy Spirit in the New Testament age is only given through the apostles, and all the apostles are dead, Mm -hmm. right? But, you know, so you see the Spirit alight on a lot of people, even Saul, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, the The king of Israel. But the Spirit doesn't remain on these people, right? There's a difference with Jesus. That's why it's not just that the Spirit alights on him, but that it remains with him, right? That the Holy Spirit is always with Christ, because the Holy Spirit's job is always to present Christ, to Mm -hmm. bring Christ to us through his word. And the Holy Spirit goes where Christ sends it. Right. And this is also the fulfillment of uh, the prophecy in Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So we... You know, we see all of these connections here and all of these things that we can talk about um, because it's not, there, there's just so much here that, you know, we can digest and, and pull out, so. Vicar, you're awfully quiet. <clears throat> what do you have to add? Well, I've heard the Matthew text frequently being used to teach that Jesus stood in our place for the first time at his baptism. Mm-hmm. Have you guys preached it that way before, that that foreshadowed the cross? I haven't, because I think the first time that he stood in our place is when he was circumcised. Okay. And that he shed his blood. I, um, I, I have, do agree that he, he is identified with sinners in a right. very public way. Right. I, I um, have I have talked about it this way. It was, uh, you talk to uh, um, someone who grew up on a farm, you know, 80 years ago, and uh, Saturday night was bath night, and they had eight kids, and uh, you know they had one tub of water, and uh, the youngest child who was to, went in the water always felt like they were more dirty going in the water, coming coming out of the water than they were going in, you know, in the sense of uh, in a sense Jesus was the last one in the tub that washed away our sins. Hmm. Yeah. Nope, that's a good way to to talk about it. So. Or I've also talked about this, is uh, Jesus knew exactly what it meant as he began his ministry to step in the water. And I I can imagine, for me, I think about it like a child jumping into an ice-cold pool or lake, stepping your toe in the water. I know what this means. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Christ 
stepping, I mean, that was something where Christ, by identifying with sinners, by joining himself to the waters of baptism, it was joining him to his death. So he knew exactly what it meant. Not that he wasn't, obviously, that's what he was there to do, but... And I guess one thing we haven't said explicitly, but is going behind all this, is that Jesus, you know, why we make such a big point of Jesus identifying with sinners is because he is sinless. Right. Right? Right. That uh, uh, he who knew no sin became sin for us. That's actually one how I wound up preaching uh, the Matthew text last Sunday, um, is that uh, I talked about how the gospel, God's plan for salvation, could only come from him in this way. Um, when we think of every other false god, they are what we would think God would be like. You know, if you think of the Muslim god, he is, in a, a sense, a fabrication of, of what people think a god should be, how people should mm-hmm. respond out of fear, how he does what he does, and 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 is really uh, the only kind of love there is a forced love. Right. Uh, that's why Islam means submission. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that really is the only sort of quote-unquote love that there can be. And it's really easy to project on every other religion or every other god how that is, in a sense, a god after our own image. How you can see how that the mind frame of the people fit within their understanding of who God is. And Christians do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something we all have to watch out for, is that we shouldn't read into God our own presuppositions and our own wants and our own desires and our own fears, because mm-hmm. that is really making a false god. It is an idol. A god after your own image. And that's, uh, you know, that's what the large catechism, the first commandment, really talks about. And if you need more information on that, you know, you can go read it on bookofconcord.com. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just Google Book of Concord, and you can read it for free. But so, so with that in mind, okay. So when the true God, who is righteous and holy like us, or unlike us, right, He's going to do things differently than we do. He's going to do things as God that we would never do. Mm-hmm. And so the text last week of uh, Jesus having to go in hiding into Egypt because of Herod. You know, if you were God and you were going to send your son into the world. Would you send your son into the world to be born in Bethlehem? Would you send him in the world to be subject to Herod? Would you send him in the world to be subject to Caesar Augustus so that he can pay taxes? Would you send him in the world so he could look like all those little um, boys in Bethlehem that who died for him, the indistinguishable, so let's just kill them all? Mm-hmm. I mean, so in that we see that the God works differently and how he deals with us graciously and how he seeks to change us through the gospel and through the death of his son, which Mm -hmm. is not how any of us would create, none of us would create a God that would do that. None of us would have that idea of God that would say, um, okay, if I were God, I would do this. Yeah, and that's why you have to get rid of the baggage, right? Right. And getting rid of your baggage is hard. And to me, there's kind of an apologetic type of point that I was trying to make there, Mm -hmm. and I try to do this sometimes, how can you know that Christianity is a true Christianity? Well, case in point, look at this. This is unlike any other religion, another, any other human concept of God. The gospel is completely different. The very nature of the gospel, to me, is proof that this is a true God, because he looks, he sounds, he does everything different than we would ever do. And this also shows why 
you know, you should be a Lutheran as opposed to a Baptist or a Roman Catholic or a Calvinist. Mm-hmm. Because because they, what, what happens is I think God is like this or God would like this or this is what God desires. So I'm going to, I'm going to project that on him and yep and then i'm going to propitiate him in the way that i can mm-hmm. either by turning work into or uh, faith into a work like accepting jesus into your heart or doing uh masses and everything else or like the billboard in, to- in town says jesus is coming look busy yeah i mean you know exactly it's uh it's a fear tactic and it's a law tactic and i, I that the, I, I know that that comes from a movie, but to put that on your church sign, when we're trying to get people to take the second coming of Christ seriously. Right. I mean. I actually use that example in my confirmation class because they all saw it of of uh, um, taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. Here you are at church. You put that sign up. Yeah. Well, and that's what bothers me, right? First of all, I think being busy is demonic. Mm-hmm. I do. Because uh, it. It's done with the idea that you are irreplaceable and that mm-hmm. if you're not working, and guess what? That means you are God. And it also gives the impression that you could actually, by being busy, fool God. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> As if, like, what do you so? Yeah. So anyway. So. All right. We have digress. We, have we beat this text to death yet? I think so. Okay. Peter? Sounds good to me. That beard is so fire. Thank you. Hey, I was going to say about the mustache that Bullhagen commented on with the little curls. Mm-hmm. You said you had to put product in it. Have you ever heard what the old timers used to do for that? No. What would they do? Tree, tree sap or something? Earwax. Ugh. That's how they formed it into their curls. They would Gross. wax their fingers and then wax their mustache. All right. Back to it, right? All so, right. So Bullhagen had a top... 12 list? Yes. I had the, I, the idea of the top 12 list while I was in the dentist chair, but I thought I'd have a few minutes. I, my appointment was at 9 o'clock. Yeah, it took you forever. Right. Like, satellites had to align to see how much money they're going to pull out of my wallet. Well, you know, they <laughs> probably already got that $600, uh, you know, withdrawal thing. So they're keeping track of all right. your expenditures. It's like, it's it's a, it's a new year. We got <laughs> we got some new insurance money. Right, exactly. Let's blow through it in the first month. So, um, what is your top 12 about again? So, I was going to do the top 12 things we learn about Jesus' baptism from Luther's hymn, To Jordan Came. The Christ Our Lord. The Christ Our Lord. And I was wondering if you... I'm going to read it from our current hymnal. Yeah, should we, uh, um, should we say, Peter, play the intro. Sure. Except we should say it nicer, like with some gusto, like only a vicar can do. (laughs) Peter, play the intro. Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. So did you, did you want to, as I make these points, did you want to uh, see if there's any difference between the TLH? All right, let's pull this out here. I tried to look for it. I didn't see it in the, is it spelled differently? Huh, interesting. Um, That's strange. What's strange? We can't find it in TLH. Oh. To Jordan came the Christ our Lord. It is found in the Evangelical Lutheran Handbook, 1912. 
Um, but it is not included in the Lutheran hymnal. So it's not included here. So what we'll do is use uh, the free Lutheran Corral book and see. <laughs> Wait what... a minute. Did that just burst a bubble of yours? You have an opinion on this. It, what, it, what's going on in your mind it, right now? TLH betrayed me. <laughs> Man. Let's go to the show notes. TLH betrays Berg. That might be the it's... title of the show. <laughs> I mean, that that is like that's a slap in the face for you, isn't that it? That is the worst. Like I don't even know how to deal with that. Like it's an my, LS, it, it is an LSB, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not included in the Lutheran hymnal. Ay ay ay! It looks like it is found in the Evangelical Lutheran Hymn Book, nineteen twelve, with an eighteen fifty four translation by Richard Massey but it is not included in the Lutheran hymnal. The Lutheran service book 2006 includes it as number 406 to Jordan came the Christ our Lord, but there is no harmony provided. And the translation by Elizabeth Quitmeyer is copyright 1976. The, Lu- the free Lutheran chorale book therefore makes use of a heavenly of a heavily revised version of the Massey translation, which includes enough material, new material that the translation is listed as composite. Both text and music may be freely used and reproduced for any purpose, whatever and are offered with the prayer that they may serve for the edification of the Christ- of Christian people everywhere. So, okay, so this is actually great, because now I can make a plug for the free Lutheran Chorale book. All right, do it. So uh, a pastor in our district, uh, Pastor Neuendorf, um, he has been going through and putting uh, a lot of our hymns that are not copyrighted, that are public domain, uh, into this free Lutheran Chorale book that is available to everybody, because you just can't go and copy like LSB, mm-hmm. because of copyright issues. And so his work has been to make it so that way all of these things are free. He either retranslates them himself, he finds an older um, translation, uh, and if it needs to be updated, then he goes back to the to the German and then retranslates it. Um, so it's a great resource. Um, so I highly recommend that everybody go and at least look at it. Stay, stay at more time. What is it, the... The Free Lutheran Chorale Book. And it is definitely worth your time because honestly, like all of these things should be, and I've always been a big proponent of this, all of these things should be free to the church. Right. You know, they are the church's common treasure. And, um, but a hymn writer's got to eat. Yeah, they'll get, yeah. I mean, I'm not opposed to people getting paid. What I'm opposed to doing is putting copyright on things like the catechism and our hymnals, and then you charge people money who you're oh, trying to teach the Christian faith. you know what we faith. should do? Brilliant idea. What do you think about this scheme, Vicar? Okay. What if we copyrighted our sermons? <laughs> hmm. I don't think enough people read, would read our no. sermons. <laughs> so I don't think there'd be a lot of monetary. I, I have want... been told that uh, our uh, podcast is helpful for sermon prep for some, so... I want it's Berg true. to uh, make his own translation of a hymn and then copyright it. <laughs> it would sound interestingly like TLH. No, this is what we <laughs> now now, and this is the thing: you copyright it, and you're and it's fair use for anybody that isn't a corporation. But corporations have to pay an absurd amount of money. Oh. Like it, it's like a fifty thousand dollars song for a corporation. But do you know what like would be cool to have otherwise. though? To have like a really nice prize-winning hymn translation, copyrighted by. Clerical Airs podcast. That's right. <laughs> hey, you know, we can get that new microphone then. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
Because, I mean, and see, and that's the thing is like, I'm not trying to say that people should work for nothing. Um, but the problem is, is that, uh, well, let's just be honest. CPH doesn't pay their people very well anyway. And then they copyright it for a billion years and then sell these things for like 50 bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. How does that help the Christian church? And, and I'll be honest, um, sometimes, not speaking from personal experience, but sometimes places like Luther Harris Foundation, where they translate things into different languages, have trouble translating certain things because... Of copyright. Right. Where people are asking for things so that they can study God's Word and study the confessions. And then our own publishing house. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is. It's problematic. And so that's why I'm a big fan of this, because, you know, he's doing all this work to, you know, to make this open to the church. So. All right. So the first thing we learn, number 12. Number 12. Uh, the first half of this of the first verse says, To Jordan came the Christ our Lord to do his Father's pleasure. Baptized by John, the Father's word was given us to treasure. So the first thing we learn about Jesus' baptism is, is here God gives to us the word because Jesus is the incarnate word, and uh, he attaches his word to a promise through the waters of baptism. That's number 12. Okay, the translation here is markedly different, and I think interesting. Christ our Lord to the Jordan came, for thus his father willed. John's baptism for himself he claimed, his office thus fulfilled. Oh, yeah, you like that better. There's there's something nice here about, like, it talks about his office, mm-hmm. right? So, all right. Number 11. We learn, this heavenly washing now shall be a cleansing from transgression, and by his blood and agony, release from death's oppression, a new life now awaits us. So in this, number 11, we learn how this is already tied in the Luther's hymn. We learn that it is a cleansing from our sin, and it points to his death and agony. And also, by stepping into the water, we, it is points to how we are released from death's oppression. What do you got there, Berg? Anything? Yeah, I. this one is just so earthy and beautiful. Thereby he drew for us a bath to wash us from transgression, and drowned he also bitter death through his own blood and passion, a new life thus availeth. I like the bath because it puts an image in your mind mm-hmm. that's a lot more vivid than I think the, the translation sure, there is. Sure, and and that, uh, that kind of gets the, the last person in the tub type of thing. Exactly, <laughs> see? <laughs> see, this one, like, this is the one you should use because, like... Earthy, I like that. Yeah. Number 10. From verse 2 now. O hear and mark the message well, for God himself has spoken. Let faith not doubt among us dwell, and so receive this token. So in the first part of this verse, and number 10, he is speaking us of how faith receives this. That uh, uh, it's not a question whether Christ said it or God makes a promise through it. It is whether you actually believe what God says about baptism and the promise he makes. Right. Any uh, difference with with your translation? A lot. It's actually a lot. Uh, it's uh, it actually I think focuses a little more on the um, on the negative side here. So mark ye well and all perceive what God doth say of baptism and what a Christian should believe, lest heresy entrap him. Oh. So it'd be interesting to see what the German actually says here. Can you believe TLH didn't think that hymn was good enough? I know. P 
people are the worst. <laughs> it betrayed me, man. It betrayed I me. I slapped you in the face this morning. This... Here I thought I was going to have a good day. Number nine. Our Lord here with his word endows, pure water freely flowing. God's Holy Spirit here avows our kinship while bestowing the baptism of his blessing. So in this one, it, it teaches us um, in the second half of this second verse that this freely flowing water is God's word, and he makes us uh, hear God's word promises of our kinship with him. I'm sure your, your half is much better. <laughs> Though lo- lowly water, plain and clear, is his goodwill and pleasure, his holy word is also here, his spirit without measure, he doth himself baptize us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that God baptizes us. I So I actually like, because it's cl- I think it's clearer. I think this one says the same thing, but it's actually clearer here. I go yeah. back to that word heresy that you had the first part of that stanza. Mm-hmm. Um, and think of the heresies about baptism with the other denominations. You know, right. It just symbolizes or represents or... Here it's clear that God is doing it himself. Yeah, and you know, these guys, Luther was dealing with the same issues that we're dealing with today. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really no different because a lot of people don't believe that baptism does anything. I've got a parishioner who has a brother, and the brother says, well, baptism just gets you wet. (laughs) Right? I mean, but that is kind of the thinking of a lot of American Christians. And so that's why hymns like this are so important. And they do view baptism as a work, a work that they do. And baptism, yeah, I can say it's a work, but it's a work that God does. God is the one who baptizes us. And it's kind of interesting how this translation wants to stay away from heresy, you know? Right, because heaven forbid we, you know, (laughs) say that anybody's wrong. You actually, I actually, every once in a while, and I did this yesterday in confirmation class, I yell at my eighth grade boys. I say, you guys need to care, get upset when you hear bad theology. It's true. And I said, by the way, uh, women... Yeah, chicks dig good theologians. Yeah, it's true. And and what else they dig? They they don't dig cowards. Mm-hmm. Okay? You gotta, you gotta be bold. You gotta have a spine. Number eight. These truths on Jordan's bank were shown by mighty word and wonder. The Father's voice from heaven came down, which we do well to ponder. This man is my beloved Son, in whom my heart has pleasure. Him you must hear, and him alone, and trust in fullest measure the word that he has spoken. So what this teaches us in number nine is the fact that uh, as the Father attested to Jesus, much like he did on Transfiguration, where he, the Scripture adds the word, this is my beloved Son, listen to him, mm-hmm. uh, Luther uses this to, to remind us that in the baptism of Jesus, there is a call upon us, attested by the Father's own voice, that we should listen to him, that he is the one we should listen to, that he speaks God's word. So how much better is your verse? Huh. Such hath he made clear as can be, with signs both shown and spoken. The Father's voice was openly heard loud upon the Jordan. He said, This man is my dear son, in whom I am delighted. I now command you, everyone, that ye through him invited should follow all his teachings. It almost combines what the Father says at the transfiguration and the baptism. Right, which is interesting, you know. Um, and, and I like how he's, he, he, it is a little bit more 
forceful again, right. where it says, this one says, and trust in fullest measure. What does your say? Uh, I now command you, everyone, that ye through him invited should follow all his teachings. Right. And that goes with a heresy. Follow what? What God teaches. Right. Matthew 28. You know. Exactly. Where this says, trust in fullest measure the word See, that he I, spoke in. I wish we had the German before us so we could, like, compare mm-hmm. and contrast. But I, every, on, on almost every every point, that version is a little stronger. Right. A little, a little bit more it, forceful. A little, it's a little more cutting, you know? Right. It's, it's a little less walking around the daisies and... Yeah. Let's all hold Tip, hands and get along. It's like confronting heresy. through the tulips. Right. Well, this is almost vague enough that other denominations could say, yeah, we, we believe that too. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, maybe it's a copyright. We want this in the Methodist. <laughs> <laughs> Would it surprise you? <laughs> yeah. We want we want this to be included in the Gaither music. Number seven. Uh, verse four. There stood the Son of God in love, his grace to us extending, the Holy Spirit like a dove upon the scene descending, the triune God assuring us with promises compelling that in our baptism he will thus among us find a dwelling to comfort and sustain us. I know that verse could be so much better. Yeah, yeah, it is. The son, the son of God himself here stands in tender human nature. The Holy Ghost on him descends, clad in a dove's fair vesture. We therefore should not doubt at all, when to the font we're wending, that all three persons us do call to earth in grace descending with us to make their dwelling. Yeah. There's your vesture word today. I know, I love it. It's great. I wanted yeah. to mention... Um, that the internet has ruined me. Um, yeah. Every time now I hear somebody or something say Among Us, my brain is hardwired to just think about Among Us memes. You guys know what those are? Um, Isn't that uh, Among Us? Is that some sort of... Uh, it's a video I game. Right. Um, And it's... Uh, is it like a zombie one or is it... Uh... It's like, uh, uh, it's like, you know, have you ever played Mafia? Uh, in real life? No, like, I haven't actually. Is that, is that where the frog tries to cross traffic and then a stream? Um, oh yeah. Frogger. <laughs> <laughs> this is your zoomer reference of the, of the day among us. It's basically you are, you know, there's like, you know, however many, like 10 people on a ship and there's a certain number of imposters that are acting like they're human crewmates, but really they are monsters trying to kill the, everybody else. That's awesome. And so you have to try and figure out who's the monster. And so every round you have to vote somebody to die and you eject them out of the airlock. Mm. And if you inject the imposters, wow. you win. And if you, if all of the uh, crewmates die, you lose. It, it sounds like a game based on, uh, the history of the Lutheran Church in America. <laughs> Excommunication. Um, there's a game. There's actually a board game similar to that that I have called Who Goes There. It was based on a, uh, I want to say a 50s novel. It was the basis for the movie The Thing. And uh, the the byline for it is, its favorite place to hide is you. <laughs> and you're at this Arctic station trying to escape. And, um, you know, one of you gets infected. You know, and so, and then they inspect the infection spreads and stuff. So, no, that's interesting. 
but um, it's basically become like a Zoomer culture reference. So nobody ever says "Among Us." Everybody says "Among Us." Among Us. Among Us. <laughs> it's oh. like Among Us. That's awesome. So like if like so if there's a like an evil mushroom on your pizza, is that a fungus among us? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. And so every well, every time I hear among us, I go among us in my brain. Yeah, there, and it's there the world goes again stealing our rainbows. <sighs> exactly. All right. So um what did we learn from this verse, Berg? Um what I like is that rather than talking about grace, it talks about God's tender, you know, Christ's tender human nature, mm-hmm. right? We see the dove, right? This is another sign or proof, right? The Son shows us proof because he's a human being. The Holy Spirit shows us proof because, uh, it, you know, the Holy Spirit is clad in a dove's fair vesture, right? Mm-hmm. Clo- you know, and that's why we don't have to doubt when we go to the font because all three persons of the Trinity are calling us and deign to dwell with us. So one thing you could take, you know, how often, it's interesting, how often do you think people, when they think of uh, infant baptism, for example, how often do people think, oh, this could be a one of the texts that we can point to infant baptism? You can't because right. where's the action? Right. God is the one baptizing um and all three persons of the Trinity here are involved, which is wonderful, right? So, all right. Um, hey, Peter, we don't have to keep doing with the numbers. We could just go and keep going with the hymn, right? Unless you want to just throw random numbers out there. I don't know, man. Whatever you want to do. All right. You give me I the source content, anyway. and then I have to make it make it work anyway. It's not any okay. different than normal. All right. So we're going to ditch the numbers. Listener, we're going to ditch the numbers. We're just going to keep reading this hymn and, and uh, argue about the... The translations, okay. So verse number five. To his disciples spoke the Lord, go out to every nation and bring to them the living word and this my invitation. Let everyone abandon sin and come in true contrition to be baptized and thereby win full pardon and remission and heavenly bliss inherit. Okay. Is that, how's, it, how's your translation different? To his disciples spake the Christ, go hence the whole world teaching. The lost for whom I have paid the price, repenting through your preaching. He who believes and is baptized shall be thereby most blessed, and born anew in heavenly wise, no more by death oppressed. He shall inherit heaven. I'm kind of sensing a reformed view in this true contrition language here in our version, aren't you? And yours just said repent. Right, repenting through your preaching, yeah. Right. Well, that one has the, the preaching aspect, because true contrition is, well, are you really sorry? What's the evidence? Are you truly yeah. sorry? Yeah, it gets a little weird. I wonder, who did translate this version? Uh, uh, looks like uh, Elizabeth. I don't know. Copyright 1976. Of course. Of course it is. Okay. <laughs> It's soon enough that this person might be still alive, so. Right. I do like better. Um, go hence the whole world teaching, the lost for whom I've paid the price, repenting through your preaching. I think that's really. And mm-hmm. then finally at the end, he shall inherit heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that great? Just. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's more declarative. 
Right. And, and, and as I listened to that verse, I thought it still wasn't good enough for TLH. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what. They're, 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 if I could go back in time, go and slap the committee. There, there's somebody among us on that committee. <laughs> Did I use that right? Among us. <laughs> All right. Yeah, when when Berg heard listener, when Berg heard that that was saw that that wasn't in TLH, he almost yeeted the hymnal. I did, man. It's kind of sus. What? Okay, what's sus now? Suspect. Yeah, I got oh, suspect. Okay. All right, number six for six. But whoa, I know, I I already know that your verse could be much stronger than this one. Okay, but woe to those who cast aside this grace so freely given. They shall in sin and shame abide, and to be to despair be driven. Born in sin, their works must fail. Their striving saves them never. Their pious acts do not avail, and they are lost forever. Eternal death their portion. Now, that's a pretty strong verse, but I imagine yours found a way to make it stronger. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Who in this mercy hath not faith, sin still his soul possesses. He is condemned to eternal death. Deep in hell's dark recesses. No help is his own holiness. His deeds have not availed him. Turned by that sin to worthlessness, which from his birth assailed him. He can't himself deliver. Is this the death verse? Uh, the bad death verse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does have a little bit more of a... Well, and, and I like how it says... Rather than just woe to those who cast aside, he uses the word faith. Right, faith, right? Um, deep in hell's dark recesses. I mean, it actually gives you an idea of what that looks like. You know, it gives you a picture in your head. Um, no help is his own holiness, right? And it's all turned to worthlessness by sin. Mm-hmm. And, and this has their pious acts do not avail. But it, Right. I, I, it's just not as, right. you know— and he can't himself deliver. I mean, right? Like that's just like, man. This, this, yeah, this this is a little bit more seeker friendly. This version. Yeah, I, it, I would. It say uses so. all the buzzwords though, you know, like pious and right. right. All right, the, the last verse. Uh, all that the mortal eye beholds is water as we pour it. Before the eye of faith unfolds a power of Jesus' merit. For here it sees a crimson flood to all our ills bring healing. The wonders of his precious blood, the love of God revealing, assuring his own pardon. Hmm. So I, I like this verse. You know, I don't know what yours is going to say yet, but um, I think that kind of gives the idea of what I mentioned earlier of Jesus' baptism, kind of showing right what actually is going on in baptism. So, uh, so hit us with your verse. The eye doth not but water see. Plain men, the water pouring. But from this blindness, faith is free. Christ Jesus' blood adoring. It is for faith a flood of red, by Christ's own blood thus tinted. For all our sin and weakness shed, which Adam has transmitted, and we too have committed. Okay. Yeah, I give up. (laughs) Yours is better. (laughs) Because, well, first of all, uh, here it points... To uh, what I really like about your version is where it's uh, 
how Jesus heals us of our blindness. Like, he causes us to see. Right. It's not just, but here we see. Here you have the curing of our blindness that we can see. Right. And that it ends with, because of Christ's blood, um, all of our sin and weakness is taken away, shed, which Adam has transmitted to us by our original sin, and which we too have committed by doing the stuff we shouldn't have done, or by not doing the stuff we should have done. Mm-hmm. I mean, mission it's just, and omission. Exactly, right? It just so I, I just I just uh, uh, in a year from now at the baptism of our Lord uh, at uh, St. Paul's and Latimer when they start singing this version, you have me to thank. Absolutely. <laughs> Heck, I might. Uh, you might still. Do I it might. I might still do it because I mean, we got time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a better hymn, and it's free. Like you can go to the internet, and the only thing it's going to cost you is printing it out on on paper. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fantastic. So how long until the mention? Uh, well, give me some time. Yeah. <laughs> he would need a sabbatical. There, that. there already is a Bullhagen hymn, though. We figured that out. Remember. Did we? I don't remember. Yeah, this there's a Bullhagen hymnal. Oh yes, yes, yes. That's right. Some distant from Laurentius. An- yeah, some distant ancestor, right? From Pomerania. I like this mention of the crimson flood, and yours said it differently. Yeah, Bert, it. But... Uh, it said. Um, that's probably the one thing that I would uh, say is maybe superior, right? Mm-hmm. It is for faith a flood of red, by Christ's own blood thus tinted. Still, that you. The book of John does a good job, too, of talking about how it's hard to separate baptism from the passion. Right. And that water into wine in, in at the wedding in Cana is an example of that. It goes, in my mind, right to blood. I mean, the ver- but, very first verse of yeah. this hymn did that. Mm-hmm. Right. So, well, that was that was fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, so a shout-out to uh, Neuendorf. And if you guys have the opportunity, please go to the free Lutheran Chorale book. Uh, just go to Google, type it in. Um, and, uh, you know, if you have an opportunity to support it, um, use it, um, let them know that you appreciate it. Uh, you know, we, we just have to keep encouraging right. guys to do this kind of stuff because it's just so very necessary for the church. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, fun show today. My teeth are clean. And I don't know. Our, <laughs> our doves are vested. Yep, our, our, our doves are vested. So, I'm Bullhagen. I'm Berg. And I'm Vicar. And, and may your TLHs never betray you. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts questions thoughts concerns you can contact us on facebook at facebook.com slash clerical heirs podcast on twitter at clerical heirs p for podcast or email us at feedback at clerical thanks for listening to clerical heirs see you next time